0: So you have your Bibles. Let's continue together in the book of Mark. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Um, we're going to, we didn't, I, I wanted to hit four points last week, and we only got to three. Did you notice? You get a gold star if you notice. You get extra credit. No. Okay, we're going to hit one of the points that we missed last week. And uh, guess what? Someone reminded me. Um, there's not a Chiefs game this afternoon, so we're going to go for hours and hours together. What do you think about that? Oh, no, just kidding. I'm just kidding. We'll only do two hours or so. Don't worry. We won't go four. Uh, just kidding. Okay. Mark chapter four. Uh, Mark chapter four, big number four, little number 26 is where we'll be. If you need a Bible, there's a blue one in the pew back in front of you. Grab that. Open that up with us, please. Um, We would love for you to join us in reading this in a moment. If you need a Bible, take that one home with you. Uh, Disaster struck our house last week. You're not going to believe it. Um, Our microwave broke. For some of you, you're thinking, ah, that's not a big deal. For my wife, oh, that's not a big deal. For me, that takes care of, that's a disaster for all my culinary pursuits. The microwave is the only thing I know how to operate. In other words, the microwave is how I cook for myself. I do leftovers. I do popcorn. Don't tell me you can do popcorn on an oven. I I, I want a microwave. And so we had to get a new microwave. We had to plug it in. Microwaves, I love microwaves. They are fast and they are effective. Right? They're fast and they're effective. That's what I like in my life. And you know what? I think we are a microwave culture, aren't we? We want fast, we want effective, we want it now, and if we don't want it now, we want it yesterday. Just think about this. I mean, fast food restaurants do so well because we are a microwave culture. I go to McDonald's when I want something fast, and I want something the same as what I had last time. Are you with me? I don't want to take a long time when I go to McDonald's. At Walmart, we have our self-checkouts now. Why do we have that? That gets us out of there faster. We like that. There are these things now even called 15-minute workouts. Have you seen these? I stay as far away from these as possible, but I hear they exist. Get in shape in only 15 minutes a day. We are a microwave culture you know this i know this we see this all over but our question for today is i'm sure you're anticipating this has our microwave culture infected the church has the microwave culture i want it fast i want what i want And I want it effectively delivered to me. Has our microwave culture infected the church? Have we taken our hamburgers? And have we taken the Word of God? And have we said, I want both to be fast. I want what I want. I want it when I want it. And I want it how I want it. Yes, of course, our microwave culture has infected the American church. We want fast results from the minimal amount of effort and time. Think about it. When we evangelize, when we share our faith with somebody, that's scary, isn't it? If I put myself out there My temptation is to say, if I'm going to put myself out there, I want immediate results, God. I'm putting myself out there. It's a scary thing. I want to share the gospel with someone. I want them to come to faith now. When we disciple our kids or our youth, or if we are discipled as, our, as adults, as we should all want to be, as we are trained up in the faith, we want immediate results. I want to send my kids to children's church and I want them to obey me on Sunday afternoon. I want immediate results. If I'm going to commit myself to coming to church on Sunday morning, Sunday's my day off. I'm going to commit to coming to church on Sunday morning. I want to see immediate results. And I'm afraid in my own life as I examine my heart and this idea of microwave culture and how it's affected how I view my faith, I'm afraid that when spiritual results do not show up immediately, I'm tempted to be discouraged. And if we're not careful, if we expect immediate results the way we want it, at the time we want it, if we're not careful, we might think, well, is this w- that maybe this isn't the way it's all supposed to work. Maybe if I don't get it immediately, maybe it's not working. Well, what Jesus is going to tell us today is that the kingdom of God is not a microwave. The kingdom of God is slow. Becoming a citizen of the kingdom of God through faith in Jesus Christ might take a lifetime. your loved one who is not a believer to bring them to a saving faith in Jesus Christ might take a lifetime. kingdom of God is not a microwave. It, it's slow. It's a slow pursuit. It can take a generation to see a church Reach their community in a visible way. Are you with me? It might take Trinity Baptist Church doing the right things in the right way over a generation before we see some kind of great movement. It might be my children, it might be your children who see the fruit of that. The kingdom of God isn't on our schedule. The kingdom of God depends on the mysterious movement of God. Let me show you what Jesus says. Let me show you why this is true. Mark chapter 4. Big number 4. Little number 26. goes like this. And He... Jesus said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises, sleeps and rises, sleeps and rises, night and day. And the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once He puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. The kingdom of God is not like a microwave. It is not dependent on man. The kingdom of God, salvation in Jesus Christ, depends on the mysterious movement of God. Okay, the kingdom of God. You remember what the kingdom of God means? Kingdom of God is anywhere God reigns in the hearts of men and women like a king. Okay? Kingdom of God doesn't have borders. Kingdom of God is dealing with hearts. It's anywhere that God reigns in the hearts of men and women. So the question is for Mark 4, 26 and 29 is, what is happening when someone makes Jesus king in their heart? How does that work? What is our responsibility? What is happening when someone enters into the Kingdom of God by Jesus reigning in their hearts? And what part do we play? My friends, for that family member that you are, have been praying for, that they come to faith in Jesus for years and years and years. What is happening in their heart? What part do you play? So Jesus says the kingdom of God is this. What is needed to bring someone to salvation? What is necessary? Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a farmer. We talked about this the last couple weeks. Like a farmer taking the seed and casting it. Taking the seed and casting it. What is the seed? You remember, what is the seed? The Word of God. Salvation. What is needed to bring someone to salvation? The seed. And the seed is the Word of God. We've seen that all in chapter 4. The Word of God is required for a heart to make Jesus king. Okay? Without the Word of God, no one will be saved. This is how God has decided to reveal the good news of Jesus to sinners like me. Through the Word of God. Why? The Word is the seed, and the seed is required for the harvest. The Word of God is required for salvation. Why? Why does this happen? Why is the Word of God so important? The Word of God exposes who's on our throne. Hebrews 4 says it this way, For the Word of God is living and it is active And it is sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. And discerning, piercing and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Why is the seed the Word? Well, God has designed the Word of God to be active and living. It is not passive. It is not something that we just open up and we have to do all the work. The Word of God is active. Why do we pray when we start a sermon? Why do we pray that God works through His Word? Because these are not just normal words we're reading. These are not just facts that we are reading these words are alive these words move these words affect us in ways that other words do not the word is the seed and we cast it out and the word performs surgery on our hearts. As the Word of God is cast to you and it falls on the soil of your heart, it is active and it is alive and it's designed to perform surgery on your heart. That means it lands in my heart and I read... Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. And I remember how I treated Mallory harshly last night. And that word that falls in my heart, I cannot just cast off because it is alive and active. And what that word does is it it springs up in me the remembrance of when I fell short. And the Word of God is sharper than a double-edged sword. And what it will do, it will take that piece of my heart that that tends to be rough and and tends to not speak kindly at times towards my wife, and the Word performs surgery and it cuts that part of me off. The Word is living and active. And for non-believers, as the Word is cast and it falls into the soil of a heart, And that heart sees who Jesus is for the first time. And that heart sees how Jesus is to be king of our heart. That word performs surgery and says Jesus is king. Pride isn't king. And it seeks to perform surgery and cut that part off. And it says money isn't king. And that word performs surgery and cuts that part off. And anything else that's sitting in Jesus' throne... The Word comes as a double-edged sword and it desires to perform surgery on our hearts to remove anything from that throne except the One who has rights to it, Jesus Christ. The seed is required for the harvest because it is living and active. It performs surgery. The seed discerns the thoughts and intentions of our heart. When the seed, when the Word of God is cast and it falls on your heart, Soil, the soil of your heart. The Word discerns your thoughts and your intentions. We might be able to fool each other. You might be able to pull the wool over my eyes. I'm a pretty gullible guy. You might be able to fool me. You might be able to fool other people. But we, when we are exposed to the living Word of God, We can't fool the Word of God. The truth of the Word of God is living and active. It performs surgery on our hearts, and we cannot hide from it. It doesn't change. There's power there. It doesn't accommodate us for our desires or our preferences. It exposes them. The word is necessary the word is cast God has chosen to bring the message of salvation to sinners through the word proclaimed by you this word that is living and active this word that performs surgery on hearts this word that discerns thoughts and intentions God has desired and designed the message of salvation to other sinners to be brought through the word proclaimed by you and me. Romans 10 said it this way, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't that great news? Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't that awesome news? How merciful is our God? Anyone? Someone like me? Someone who's done wicked, evil things their entire life can be saved? Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord can be saved? Do you believe that? Anyone can. Yeah, how merciful is our God? How loving is our God? How accepting is our God? Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And now the question is, Romans 10, 13 through 17 says, How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? Will anyone call on the name of Jesus if they don't believe He could save them? No. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How will they call on Him if they haven't believed? Well, they need to believe to call on Him. And how, Paul says, are they to believe in Him of whom they have not heard? Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, will be saved. But they must believe to call. And how will we believe if we haven't what? We haven't heard. They won't. Paul continues. And how are they to hear without what? Someone preaching. I don't think that's just me. It's you. How will they hear? Unless someone is preaching. And how are they, deacons, are we ready? Deacons and preacher. are we ready? How are they to preach unless they are sent. Church leaders, are we sending our people? Are we equipping them? Are we leading them to go out and to preach the good news of Jesus? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how will they call unless they believe? Well, they won't unless they believe. And how will they believe unless they have heard? Well, they won't believe unless they have heard. And how are they to hear unless someone preaches? Well, they're not going to hear unless someone, unless someone preaches. And how are they going to preach unless they are sent? You're not going to preach unless you are sent, unless you are equipped. And finally, he says it this way so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of christ salvation is dependent on this chain of events that its foundation has the word of god we won't we won't call on the name of the lord if, we, the, if the Word of God has not been planted in our hearts by the church of Jesus Christ, we will not be saved. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of God. Without the Word of God, no one will call on the name of the Lord to be saved. That's the seed. Our job is to cast the seed. Why the seed? Why is it so important? It's so important because it's the foundation. It's the foundation of our efforts to proclaim salvation to the people. They will call on the name of Jesus if they have heard the word of God. That is why the seed must be cast. And... We take heart as we cast the seed as God's people because God has promised to accomplish His will in salvation through His Word. Church, when you share the good news of Jesus, even if it's stumbling and bumbling, even if you can't remember where the verse is or exactly how it goes, in our weaknesses, God speaks through us. And in our stumbling and bumbling, even then we will be effective because God has promised He will accomplish His will when we proclaim the Word of God. Isaiah 55 says it this way. More soil, more more imagery says it this way. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so likewise shall my word, says God, be, be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish what I propose. And shall succeed in the thing for which I sent. You are the sower. I am the sower. We sow the word of God, God. The Father has decided that the Word of God, sown by the church, will be the instrument through which the world calls upon the name of the Lord. And He has promised that as the Word is proclaimed, it will reach its mark no matter my stumbling and bumbling. And it will accomplish the Word of God, uh, the will of God. Are you with me? You are the sower. Well, I don't want to be a sower. What if the sower is God? Well, we know the sower is not God in this, in, these, in this paragraph, in this parable, because the sower, it says, doesn't know how the seed grows. God knows how the seed grows. We're the sower. The sower is us. The sower is anyone, any believer who, in obedience to God, spreads the Word of God. Every believer. Every believer. And don't just think that spreading the word of God means, means just talking to your coworker about Jesus. You help spread the word of God when you work at Awana on Wednesday nights, when you help us with Awana. When you teach Sunday school, you are spreading the word of God. Worship team. You are spreading the Word of God. You are showing the Word of God through the songs that reflect the Word of God. Greeters, as, they, as, as the community enters into our place and they are greeted with the kindness of the Lord in your smile and in your handshake, you are helping us sow the seed of the Word of God in their hearts. All this is working to share the good news. The seed when planted, that brings salvation is the Word of God. So my friends, the, word, the, the seed is not your testimony. Are you with me? Your testimony is good, but the seed is not your testimony. The seed, what brings someone to call upon the name of the Lord, is not your testimony. Kindness. Are you with me? Sometimes we're tempted to think, well, I'll just be nice to people and that will cover my obedience to proclaim. No, no. Niceness is good. Kindness is good. We are called to be kind, but kindness is not the seed. The word is the seed. The preacher's charisma is not the seed. Sometimes as churches, we could fall into this temptation of thinking, well, the preaching belongs to the preacher, and if we hire the right guy and we pay him enough, then he can do the sowing for us, and if we get the right charismatic guy to bring a crowd, then that covers us. The, the, The seed is not the preacher's charisma. The seed is the Word of God. Being born as an American Christian is not the seed that God uses to bring us to call upon the name of Jesus. Sometimes we're tempted to think, well, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an Arkansan. I'm from Arkansas. Therefore, I'm a Christian and God's fine with me. Where you're born is not the seed. Well, I was born into the right Christian family and Grandma wouldn't let me go to hell. Being born in the right Christian family is not the seed God uses to bring someone to call upon the name of Jesus. The seed is the word of God. Therefore, brothers and sisters, do we see how important the word of God is? It won't ever return to Him empty. It will accomplish everything He sets out to do. Your testimony isn't like that. Your kindness is not like that. The preacher's charisma is not like that. The only thing that we are guaranteed to accomplish the, word, the, the, the will of God is the Word of God. Are you with me? That it takes the Word of God to begin the chain of events that lead to somebody proclaiming the Word of God to the hearts of those around us, and then that person Proclaiming that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. Saving faith in Jesus begins with the Word of God. Are you with me? So my friends, we must get into the Word. We must read it ourselves. We must do what it says. My friends... It just means be in church. That's what it means. Read the book. Sit under the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. That's what it means. Parents, get your children under the Word of God. Does that guarantee they're going to be saved? No. But is that how people are saved? Yes. Yes. What are we teaching our children that's more important than the Word of God? And listen, I'm preaching to my own self here. Families, spend time in God's Word together. May we see and understand the preciousness that it is. I mean, God could say that whole chain of events could start with how will they call upon Jesus? If da, 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 It could start with how will they do all this unless you climb to the sacred top of the mountain and stay there seven days? How will they? It could start with that. You know what it says? It says how will they call unless they hear the Word. That's what it is. How beautiful is that? That means it doesn't take a genius to preach this. We can get it on our phones. How incredible is that? You can get it for free on your phone. How incredible is that? You don't have to hear it in Latin. You can hear it in your own language proclaimed. Well, how gracious is that? That's so gracious. We don't have to climb some mountain. We don't have to make some sacrifice to get the knowledge. We don't have to do any of that. We read it. We hear it. We proclaim it. We talk about it in our families. That is the beginning of the chain to salvation. And that gets us to verse 26. Once the seed is sown, What happens? Once the seed is sown, once the Word of God is preached and proclaimed, what happens between the sowing and the harvesting? What happens between the planting of the seed and salvation? What is our responsibility in that process? Just as a seed, when planted, grows by mysterious forces, meaning, we know what happens, I mean, meaning... Invisible forces, that forces that are invisible to our eyes. Just as the seed when planted grows by mysterious forces, when the word is planted in a heart, it releases the mysterious forces of God which operate to achieve the sovereign purpose of God. You get that image of... I mean... You get that image of the farmer casting the seed and it says he goes to sleep and wakes up goes to sleep and wakes up and I just see you coming and, and looking and staring and saying oh am I gonna have food coming is this gonna is this gonna take root is it gonna happen he, uh, down and up and down and up he, he's got no part in it at that point he can't coax the seed to grow he can't pave the seed to grow he can't beat the seed to grow he can't do any of that if the seed is going to grow it's going to grow by the mysterious work of god you can do everything a farmer needs to do and yet that seed might still not grow what is our part what happens now the mysterious work of god in salvation is below the surface. And it's below the surface because our biggest need as sinners is not what's on the outside. Are you with me? That's a huge point. Our biggest need as sinners is not what's on the outside. It's not what's above the surface. It's not dressing a certain way. Our most important need is not acting a certain way. Are you with us? our biggest need is that at our very core of who we are, we are sinners who have joined the enemy of God. It's our heart. We are alienated from God. We are deserving of hell because our very nature, the core of who we are, our heart is sinfully arrayed against God, it's our heart that needs to be changed. And many of us are there. Many of us have cast the seed for loved ones, cast the seed for loved ones, cast the seed for loved ones, year after year after year. And often we go in confusion of of what's happening, what's going on, what might God be doing? Well, this is what's going on that's invisible to our eyes. As the sower casts the seed, the seed falls into the soil. God's mysterious work in salvation begins. Here's some things that are happening that's invisible to our eyes. Jesus tells us in John 6, no one comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. What's going on under the surface? As we proclaim the Word of God, as the seed falls in the soil, the work of salvation is God drawing. They hear the Word of God and God draws them. What does that look like? What's invisible to us. What's going on below the surface? A loving and merciful God who sees a sinner who has heard the Word of God and begins to draw them. Why does God need to draw us? Because we are far from Him. Isaiah 53 says it like this, we are like sheep who have gone astray. Each has turned to his own way. Romans 3 says it this way, none of us seek God. The Word of God is sown and under the surface God is drawing sinners who have rejected Him, sinners who are not seeking Him, sinners who have gone astray. He is mercifully drawing them to Himself. That's happening below the surface. What else is happening below the surface? Below the surface, God is revealing the light of Christ to their heart. 2 Corinthians 4.6 says it this way, For God, who said, let the light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What's happening below the surface? God has taken that seed that is planted and He is lighting a heart to be able to see the truth of God. We can't see that. Under the surface, God is giving the gift of saving faith. We have no good works to earn our salvation. We have no heart condition that earns salvation through kindness or faithfulness or holiness or purity. That means you do not earn salvation by being good. By doing good, you do not earn salvation by saying, well, I'm going to position my heart in a certain way that's extra kind or extra faithful. None of that earns salvation. What is salvation? Salvation is God granting the gift of saving faith. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says it. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Even the faith to believe is a gift of God. How incredible is that? I mean, every step, it's every step I'm retreating and retreating and retreating from earning anything from God. It's by grace, he says, by grace. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. It's it's a gift of God. Salvation is a gift below the surface. God is gifting a heart, a saving faith. Gifting a heart, the ability to trust in Christ alone for salvation. It's all a gift. What's going on below the surface? God is pouring out His mercy on a human heart. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. Romans 9.16 says it salvation depends not on human will or effort, but on God who has mercy. And a heart that is being saved underneath is God pouring out mercy. And under the surface, God is giving a new life, a new birth, a totally new person is being born from that seed that was planted only by the mysterious work of God. Titus 3.5 He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. All these things are happening below the surface. All these things and more are happening by God in a mysterious way to us in hearts that have heard the Word of God. They're invisible to the eye. The farmer sows day after day in hopeful prayer. He watches to see if the seed has sprouted. In the same way, we sow and some of you are t- your arm is getting tired from sowing in that same patch of ground year after year, day after day. We sow, we wait, we watch, we pray that that seed sprouts. We pray that we will see the fruit of the word of God. What does this mean? for us what are some of the implications for us I'm gonna give you two implications for this I'm gonna give you two implications for our job is to sow the seed and then it is the mysterious work of God what are the implications why is this good for us if salvation is done by the mysterious work of God then we are never never Never, never, never hopeless. For our loved ones who are not believers, because it is totally on the mysterious work of God for that salvation, we are never hopeless. If your son or daughter's salvation depended on me and the way I sowed the seed or the way I followed after, they would be hopeless because I can't do it. But because it is totally resting on the mysterious work of a God who draws and a mysterious work of a God who shows mercy and a mysterious work of a God who brings salvation not based on any effort or merit, it's on the work of God because of that. Never, never, Lose hope. Never lose hope. Because God loves to glorify Himself by saving sinners. And because His work is mysterious to our eyes and not dependent on our timetable or time frame, we must never lose hope that our neighbors and our loved ones may be saved. Don't lose hope the most evil person in the world might still repent and believe the good news of Jesus. God may be drawing that person with the hardest of hearts to Himself. It only takes one seed, one verse, one sermon, one conversation to bring someone to faith in Jesus Christ. Never lose hope. Sunday school teachers, are you seeing fruit? Maybe not. Never lose hope. Your work year after year isn't in vain. I promise you, God is working through the Word you are planting. For your loved one, pray for them. For your loved one, Cast the seed in a loving way for your loved one. Never lose hope because God loves to save sinners. And finally, last thing. Last implication. Because salvation is a mysterious work of God under the soil, we can relax. We never lose hope and we can relax. My friends, if if, we ha- if I had to trust myself as a pastor, to bring forth the fruit that's preached, I would not be a preacher. I couldn't handle the pressure. We can relax. My friends, God loves your lost family member, your lost neighbor. He loves them too much to put their souls in my hands or your hands. You're not called to bring forth, to make it sprout, You're called to plant the seed. And you're promised that when you plant the seed, even if it's stumbling and bumbling, God will accomplish His purpose. He loves people too much to leave their salvation in our hands.